It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. It takes a lot of hard work to make it look easy. This Mother's Day, Duluth Trading Co. can help you give her something that keeps up. Whether you prefer to shop online or in-store, Duluth has a motherload of gear, goods, and gifts to keep her comfortable and capable, no matter what needs doing. With Duluth's problem-solving details and legendary durability to boot, you'll finally be mom's favorite again. Check out DuluthTrading.com for all your Mother's Day gifting needs. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the BBC Countryfile magazine podcast and a brand new series of 12 fantastic episodes. My name is Fergus Collins. I'm the editor of the magazine and host of this podcast. So every episode offers you a gentle and enriching escape into the countryside and we've got a fabulous lineup for you this autumn. You can look forward to meeting the bird girl, Maya Rose Craig, and tracking down woodpeckers near her home in North Somerset or chat with star nature writer Helen MacDonald. We also talk Wizards and the Dark Ages with Detectorists and Horrible Histories star Simon Farnaby. There'll be a plethora of our usual countryside adventures and memorable wildlife encounters. Which brings me to the first episode of this series, where I'd like to invite you to come with me to a dark and secret forest in South Wales to meet one of Britain's rarest birds of prey, the honey buzzard. A while back, I learned that these almost legendary migratory raptors bred summer in the valleys of Wales, but it was a pure fluke that I discovered that the foremost authority on honey buzzards in the UK lived about five minutes from my house. So if you listen to the Nightjar episode in series six, which is brilliant by the way, you'll already have met ornithologist Steve Roberts. Steve tracks and rings the Welsh honeys, as he calls them, and back in July he very kindly invited me along to witness the ringing of some chicks in a very secret nest. Along with us came Anna Field from the Gloucestershire Raptor Group and naturalist Colin Law to share their expertise on raptors in the UK. So listen on for a truly rare and wonderful experience. So how, many rings, how many rings do you put on a bird when you ring a bird? Only one, only only one. one BTO ring, right. a, a metal ring, you know, and then, yeah. but on these there's a colour ring as well, oh. which is how we can um, identify the individual bird Quickly. In the future, yeah, I see. When yeah. we put a camera, we put cameras up on nests, not on all nests, because we know us. I've, yeah. I've had a camera on this nest a, a couple of years ago. It's the same male, and he's got he's got colouring on. Right. Okay. So we know where he's come from, and he's come from only just across the way. So this is your male that's been here for a while. Yeah. 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 So he's um, a good. He's a solid male. He's got a partner. 
yeah. it's got a nest with eggs. Yeah, they know what they're doing. Is, right, um, okay. So we put the camera up to try and record adults. We, you know, to see what adults, what chicks have returned as adults to breed. Yeah. And it's surprising how many we've had. Well, that's good. Yeah, so it's much ringing. Been very effective. Seems to be just. You, you never ever find out what no. happens. We've started doing the same with Goshawk in Gloucestershire, mm. and we've, already, we've only been doing it for a few years, but we've already had a couple of good recoveries. Okay. Had one bird that was just metal ringed, but it was originally ringed in the New Forest as a chick, so seven so years ago. So I went through 30,000 photos and uh, managed to read the metal ring on it, and yeah, yeah, it was a New Forest bird, so it's a good, that's a good recovery for. So it's life. come all the way from the New Forest to breed in the Forest scene. Yeah. They move around quite a bit then, Goshawks. Um, well, well clearly, no, that, yeah. you know, we don't really know. There's not been enough work done on it. Really? So the stuff that we could discover through ringing and through sort of... Yeah, and we put, last year we put um, little GPS tags on goshawk as well. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Um, yeah, just kind of, so we put them on the juveniles and then... Um, it's really interesting to seeing how much they move throughout oh, no, the winter. I love that. So can you can you see that from your phone or something? Yeah, 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 yeah. So the 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 fixes from the tags go up via the mobile phone network, and then you can log in and see the tracks. And we, you know, we tagged a bird in the Cotswolds. Spent all winter, you know, going around all the farmland. You know, you can see from the time um, stamps on the fixes that it was roosting in hedgerows. You know, really what you wouldn't expect from a goshawk. So there's tons of behaviour we just don't know about because we've never had the chance to see. Yeah, study. well, they're such secretive birds. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, that's you know, great. You don't get many recoveries off normal ringing, but by colour ringing them, putting cameras on nests, we're starting to understand mm. a bit more about where they where they move. It's really interesting. So you put a BTO ring and then a colour ring. Yeah, a BTO ring on one leg, um, which has got like a unique um, number on, and then a colour ring, which is for our project yeah. so if, if if the bto ring that's british trust of ornithology i should say for this but um that's if they're dead if you find a dead bird and you can kind of look at it up close is that right or, yeah or if another ringer was to catch the bird i see so i've arrived in a dense um conifer woodland forest really somewhere i've never been to down in south wales famous sort of mining industrial area and this forestry has probably come up since the mining the trees don't look terribly old I'm on a forest track with slender, very slender tall spears of Douglas fir, western hemlock that sort of thing western hemlock actually most of this and then along the forest riders birch I think and I'm with Steve Roberts, and we're looking for honey buzzards today. So you'll be climbing a tree, Steve, today? Yeah. How high is it going to be? It's over 100 foot. Right. It is an unusually high tree. Mm, okay. The, the nest is in it. It's, a, it's an old 1920s. Sitka that have grown out the bottom of the valley, so it's, it's I mean, oh, okay. most honey nests are about 50 foot. Okay, so this is a more of a challenge today. Or, or, well, it's just a long way up. Yeah. The tree's okay, it's it's um, tree's not difficult, it's a straight tree. Okay, so how many chicks do you, do you know? Well, so? hopefully, two, right? They only have two eggs, mm -hmm. or you know, sometimes you only got one chick. 
Uh, we don't know what's happening in there. We know it's going because the birds taking food in, but we hope they are um, the right size to ring. They're not too small. And okay, so they have to be just right. You've got a little, well, wi- they, a little there's window. A big, there's a big window to okay. ring them in, but you can't do them if they're too small. Okay. And then they're, you know, they're pretty good honeys. They're, like, um, they're quite docile. So would you have to kind of, if the female or the male is there, will you have to, they will just leave you to Last year when I climbed to do them, the female stayed on the nest when I was, there's the nest by there, I'm here, female was there with her wings out like that. Yeah. And I took photos of her. Hello. Hi, Carl. Hello. Sorry about that. That's all right. No, it's all right. It was a pig, wasn't it? Hello. Colin is my my main my main mate down here doing my uh, honey busting. I do most of the work. He just comes along and finds the nest and t- gets the glory. That's the way it works. I mean, notice how everybody's singing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. becoming a, a theme. The <laughs> you start to wonder whether there's something going on, don't you? Yeah, but yeah. see, when I was with my 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 real good mates, the climber never carried the bag. That was the that was always the. That's the way of it, is it? Right. You know, they were all other climbers, you see, which is... So we have a fallen tree across the forest track, which we have to somehow clamber through. And Steve has distributed his kit amongst us. So we're descending a very dark, narrow woodland path. You'd have to be in the know to know that what was down here... Yes, of course. I mean, Steve's amazing. Obviously, the more growth there is, the less chance of other people finding this track. Well, that's true. It's like a rainforest down here. It's completely different um, atmosphere. Yes. Somewhere in all this. Thank you. Come here, Anna. You can see something white in there. Yeah, I see a bird on it the other way, she's, she's usually on it. Is it this yeah, central yeah, yeah, tree yeah. here? Yeah. We've got two anyway, Carl. Carl? Yeah? We've got two anyway. We can see them. Two yeah. chicks out. You've got to go down over me. Are we open it? Yeah. Right, come in a sec then. I'm just going to have a look at it for a minute. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. You might find the females on there as well. Yeah. Bruce, and it's there. You can just see a lot of sticks in there. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. We can see some so that's a hundred foot tree. I know my limits. It's probably what forty feet from the top, thirty feet from the top. So that's a honey buzzard nest, so well hidden deep in this incredible misty. It's eight. It's eight. Anna is setting up a scope. So I'm looking at a honey buzzard nest. In um, Sitka spruce, which is coming out of the valley, you can see there's a bit of carriage, but it's an amazing, there's a mist rising through the trees here. And I can just look up and see these towering trees coming out of the valley floor below. We're on a little hanging path. Um, I met Steve because I was working on the Springwatch project. It just so happened Springwatch came to the village I lived in. Right. And so I, I, I worked on that project for 18 months, and that's how I met Steve yeah. in the first place. Is that that big white? That is a yeah. chick, yeah. Mm-hmm. You can't hear him, but very good. Okay, I can see that through now. Yeah, suddenly a whole load of mist has come in, which creates this lovely atmosphere, but not very. Uh, 
can't see anything. Not very good for honey buzzard spotting. Did you get many problems with egg thieves with some of the work you've done? I um, haven't come across yeah. it so far. Um, hopefully it's something that's dying out. Yeah, yeah. You'd hope so. So I'm just going to go down the slope to see Steve at the bottom. Where he is getting kitted up to climb the tree. And it's a very steep slope to get down, and that's the easy job. So, seen the honey buzzard nest, seen the chicks on it. So he's so attuned, he could just see two chicks straight away, whereas it took me ages to see anything. Um, He's surprisingly concerned about my welfare now and again. We've got to do something clever working out how, so you know how far down you can come. Yeah, that's got to be done. Yeah. So when the have you been up this tree before? Yeah. Steve? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they've been here third year. This. Yes. So this yeah, is a regular silly. spot for the for your secure pair of honey buzzards. Well, yes. They, for, if for any birds, they, yeah. they will build a new nest some years and other years they will go in the same nest. Right. So okay. it really is um, potluck. And these have happened to go in the same nest three years running. But Probably that is than... a bit more unusual. They tend, yeah. to, tend to move around more. It makes life a lot easier well, if you, you go in the same nest because all you've got to do is stand down there saying, yep, they're, they're, there. they're back. And they're probably in the same nest. And if they're not, you know, they're within a, not far, but um, but this, you know, they do move about a lot. This pair was a long way down the valley. They've been yeah. several miles away mm-hmm. from one year yeah. to the next. So there's a, there's an extensive amount of forest here. Yeah, there, yeah. How old is this woodland? Uh, this 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 stuff is 1920s. Right. Okay. This stuff. Uh, yeah. Usually, you know, you don't usually get trees this size. Colin, when did they come back? Uh, when the honey buzzards first appear in the UK? In the beginning of May. May, so quite late arrivals. Mm, yeah. Is that to time their broods with food? I mean, they they, they come back in May, and, and in May they're uh, displaying, pairing up, mm. working out where they're going to nest and so on. They build the nest, then lay. End of May usually, sometimes. Mm. Sometimes earlier. Yeah. <coughs> and then they disappear you for a month. The split tail, do you? While they're sort of nope. hunkered yeah, down, because they're, I mean, they're, nope. they're secretive no, birds at the best of times. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. And when they haven't got young to feed or anything. You must remember to put it back on it. Right. Yeah. It's a crucial little bit of rape there. So the females on the nest most of the time. Male just loiters about as long as they've got enough food for themselves. Yeah, and what do they generally? Oh, in the spring, they eat frogs a great deal. Often, so when they're displaying, they often fly about carrying something, the males, yeah. usually carrying something as, a, as an offering, presumably, yeah. how clever I am, catching all this food. And that's very often frogs. And then um, now it's uh, it's wasps nest they so, up, and the chicks eat, eat the grubs right okay so the honey thing is really because they well in uh, apparently in um, 
uh, Africa in the summer, they um, they learn, do the same to various bees. Oh, I see. Okay. So raid nests to eat the Street grubs, not, grubs the, not the honey. Yeah. Yes. Just just to, just for clarity for the. <laughs> yes. Yes. They don't eat honey. I don't. No. They don't eat honey. Do no. we as well start reading a short novel? Yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, I, I'm commentating. <laughs> Steve has spiked. Another now. An enormously long way to go by the time Steve's got his spike boots. This is the sound of Steve climbing the tree. I think so. I can't. I can't really make it out, but I think she's on the bit by the trunk. There's something moving in there that's not not fluffy, anyway. I've left my phone recording it. By September, my neck oh, <laughs> is yes. killing me. Gets the winter to recover. How many, tr- how many trees do you climb then, Anna? Oh, not, no, not no. very many. No, no, only if I can't get anyone else to do them. Oh, okay. <laughs> Steve's not available for lumberjacking. Am I there yet? Yeah, very close. Colin. Sorry? I bet this bird's thinking, or not this again. <laughs> no, it, I can just see one chick, you know, stretching its wings around. I think I can see the second chick from here. Yeah. You can see the. Yes, that's quite clear. You can see two big fluffy white chicks. Yeah. Steve is shooting up the tree like a greased weasel. I can't imagine me uh, ever doing anything like this. So, so Steve has basically got a steel cable connected to his harness which he is then looped around the tree trunk and as he climbs up one foot after another he moves that cable up so he's got sort of three points of contact and he's got a secondary rope which he also ties around so he's got acts as a extra level of safety And as it's climbing, the chicks have stood up in the nest. So do you think the adult isn't there? No. I can't see it. No. Uh, how much disturbance does this do to the chicks? Is it, I mean, obviously, it's a long-established practice ringing chicks on nests. Yeah, I mean, well, once Steve's up there, he'll lower them down, and then, you know, however, it depends on how many chicks there are, but it, you know, takes... 15, 20 minutes to ring them and they go back up. Okay. And you know, we put cameras on, or Steve puts cameras on the honey nests and we put them on goss nests and you know, quite often the, the adults are back within minutes of us going. Right. I mean, we've had one where the adult came in while the climber was still going down the tree, so they're not, okay. it doesn't bother them. You know, by the, by, you know, by the time they're at this stage in the breeding process, they've put so much effort into it. Yeah, they're that, invested. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So you think there'll be, the adults will be watching from some distance away or 
they might be off hunting. It's, it's hard to say. Some, sometimes they, the adults are nearby watching and sometimes they are away hunting and, you know, none the wiser. Yeah, OK. Yeah, so this is a twisty, turny forest track that's kind of very much a hidden path. Looks like mountain bikers come through here occasionally. And there's a sort of dappled light from the deciduous trees covered in moss, absolutely smothered in moss. Uh, there's moss and ferns, rhododendrons throughout the forest floor. And then these huge Sitka spruce down in the valley. Now you can hear a busy road below. So we're not far from civilization. It feels like a place abandoned by humans. circling over here. Oh, I see her. Yeah, she's going to... Wow. Ain't a buzzard, is it? No. There we go. Yeah. He's perched. Oh. Just see a silhouette. You never hear them, except yeah, under yeah, these no, conditions. No, really? Okay, gosh, yeah, never, you, you never ever heard one about. just flying about and mm, calling. Yeah. It's a proper whistle. It's a yes. Oh. Did that one come off the nest? Oh, you know, we didn't sure. see it. We didn't see one on the. Oh, well, that's amazing. So it has quite rounded wings. And a long tail. It's a proper rainforest day, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. <laughs> it's got that heavy kind of yeah. atmosphere. Yeah. Still calling. What are you doing? Go away. That's what it's saying. Yeah. <clears throat> this you never forget it, do you? Once you've actually heard them call, you never forget. You can listen to as many as you like on you know, YouTube and things, mm. but it's when you actually hear it in person, it's three -dimensional it goes sound. in your head yeah. and it doesn't come out much. <clears throat> yeah. I can hear more distant calls on this that you might not be able to pick up with the human ears. Yeah, there's another bird calling. Young yeah, maybe that's, that's what it is. Yeah, it's a bit more insistent. Yeah, it's a fantastic call, that, isn't it? It's, it really works in this strange world. Yes, as that's well. right, yes. A banshee. Yeah, yeah. 
First bag on its way. Oh, it's a honey buzzard chick. I'm going to get right. Careful. Oh, you, you, need to, oh. you need to swing it. Swing it to you. Uphill slightly. No. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, That's it. it. That's it. You don't want them to get caught and then drop. No, 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 absolutely. They haven't flown yet. I want their first flight to be straight down. So they're in the little brown, little green rucksack. Yeah. Appropriate social distancing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we all follow government guidelines on social distancing here. So, oh, it's, a, it's a blue rucksack. It looked green on the... Oh my goodness, there it is. A little honey buzzard chick. Well, it's not so little. It's about the size of a kestrel. It's a... Oh, it's bigger than a kestrel. Yeah, it's that, that's bigger, is it? Three and a half weeks, something like that. Yellow claws, yellow beak, black tip, yellow beak, and mottled. Yeah. This one's a bit younger. It's got less feather development. Right. Ah, so both, both chicks in one package. They're very docile, aren't they? They're quite right. accepting of their... 66, yeah? Yeah. Yes, they're docile. They... Yeah, they, they accept their fate. Yes. Uh... Well, they don't know anything else, do they? No. Other than to sit still in some birds aren't like that at all, are they? <laughs> no, Falcon screaming and shouting, not. yeah. Are they very... Uh, Feisty, Much more fal- feisty falcons. falcons yeah. So hawks and buzzards and less. So the rings are put on with a sort of circular plier, which is being done very delicately. So a ring goes on each leg. And one is a BTO ring and one is a colour ring, is that right? Yes, yeah. with letters on. Yeah. Now I'm measuring the wing span. Wing, wing length, wing and then length. this you can work out how old they are. From oh, this. okay. It's um, there's a Welsh rumour that reads purples. <laughs> a guy on the continent whose name Steve would tell you. Booze, that isn't it, but it's something like that. Did a lot of work probably 20 years ago now, I'm not sure. Monitoring nests and it climbed the. They, they climbed the tree, must have been smaller trees. Every day, I think, some of these nests right. measure the wings and so on, <coughs> and then they could see how. So that's how you've got this we've got chart this. of. Well, they do it with falconry birds as well, don't they? So mm. they've got a bit more. Oh, I see, you've got some control over yeah. mm. how old, you know, so they know exactly how old they are. And interestingly, the, um, the nests. Yeah. The nests that they climbed regularly like that in order to monitor the chicks survived better than ones that they didn't climb every day. Would you say that's because they've kept the predators away? Absolutely. Yeah, yes. How interesting. Yes. So actually anyone saying, hmm, this could be disturbing the birds, actually might yeah. be providing a beneficial... Like the reverse, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Quite quite a bit, aren't they? I didn't expect them to... Do you say grabby? Well, they, they, they hang get, on, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of um, raptors, they do that, raptors. 
that we're near this one. Yeah, that's why he's actually in that position. Those are just the right age, aren't they, for ringing? Perfect. Exciting. So we are now latest July. Um, how many more weeks in the nest do you think for these guys? Um, I'm not sure, to be honest. We'll certainly be flying about in three weeks, I would yeah, think. Fledging but, um, yeah. So August fledging. Yeah. It's got sort of like a spike. T- is it his tongue coming out? Yeah. Yeah, his tongue. The wasp comb is very important for the um, for the chicks. They, they ad- in a bad wasp year, the adults can feed them on frogs, mm. but then the adult has to tear it apart. That's a time even, even after they get to this sort of size. Yeah. Whereas with the um, with the wasp comb, they just give it to them, and they're able to pluck the um, the grubs out. So, um, so the bones of a frog are too. Well, you've got to tear a frog up into little bits to yeah, feed it. Yeah. yeah. Whereas with grubs. You haven't got to. No, 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 that's a nice little tasty yeah. package. Yeah. yeah, it was only when they're really small that the, um, that the adult has to actually feed them. One chick is a lot small, lot larger than the other. It's probably only a few days difference, okay. I don't know, three or four days difference, something like that. So it's had that three or four days feeding. Plus the, the females are a bit bigger, aren't they? I yeah. think. But I'm not sure, I'd have to look at them. But the feather development should be, yeah, a little. A little. Can you sex them? Are you able to do yeah, Oh yes, the yeah, the feather lengths to weight is what tells you. Seven sixty. Yes. I don't know what an adult weighs, but I guess they're both. Steve did a paper in the um, you know, British Birds, yeah, four or five years ago, which um, which I'm there as a co-author. But really, he did most of the work. I, <laughs> I'm a mathematician, so I. Oh yeah, okay. Did you're checking a data, the statistics and all. And all you're, that da- you're a data man. You're yes. Right, yeah. Yes. Um, oh yeah, there. so we put we try and put a camera on on a new nest, yeah. um, and and try and read the rings. Sometimes it's difficult. Uh, some of the early rings we put on, or even before my time, um, the they weren't very well made, and the the, the plastic has deteriorated. You know, plastic, the some plastic's it, done. Yeah. So so the way they make them is there's an outer there's two layers. And you put a hole in the outer layer, which, which so you can see the white. Oh, I see. So it's a, maybe blue with a white background, mm-hmm. and you can see the white through. But then a lot of them, the the outer colour has degraded and bits fallen off. So it's very difficult to read them. And so sometimes, even with the camera on, we have great difficulty. Now, is that a B or is it an eight? Oh, you know, see, yeah, yeah. But these oh, ones <laughs> change to doing white and black and white ones and they're a lot better and are, are they made of plastic they're not made plastic yeah, yeah. Okay. yes so they, they, you have to you sort of spring them out and mm-hmm. see you unroll it basically it's a coil and roll it and feed it around and it has no ill effects on the birds it's not as far as <coughs> I think there's been a huge amount of certainly on the, the metal rings mm. and, and it's a very common practice putting colour rings they don't always have letters on sometimes they just use it <coughs> On a lot of seabirds and so on for identifying the sort of year and yeah. and so you use combinations of sort of yellow Hello. or black or whatever. Yeah. So the birds are going back up now. That was a quick operation. And, uh, go back up to the nest up there. Twenty-six meter 
But ones like this that just arrive back in the spring and are straight in to the nest, we basically just assume that it's the same pair it was last year. Yeah. And there's no guessing about Because they know their nest, no other birds yeah. are going to come and use that nest. <laughs> Can't guarantee that's the case, but... Oh, they're back. The honeys in the console, there aren't any honeys as far as there probably isn't enough forestry really, is there? No. Well, but no one's looking. No, that's the other thing. <laughs> Trying to learn a bit about them. So they need dense forestry, do they? Is that large the... areas or near to large areas. It of doesn't forest. have to be dense no. No. forestry. Okay, no. But large Extensive. tracks of of mixed woodland. preferably. I mean this valley I think is ideal because you've got the areas like this, you've got big old trees, you've got Wet ground, frogs. Yeah. Uh, so frogs chunks are, of deciduous. And frogs they're, they're are really important in the spring. Yeah. Uh, wow, I didn't know yeah. that. That's interesting. Yeah. So the woodland is, yeah. So it's offering food and shelter. Is mm. that the kind of the main thing? But it's. Um, so it's on his way down now. But how steep does it? Uh, you know, you've got an area like this. Looking mm. for nests like that. Just, <laughs> half the time, this one's easier to see this year. Half the time, he finds a nest, and when we go there to look at it, I can hardly see it. Never mind, know what it what it is. So, do you do some of the scouting as well, sitting in the vantage points and looking? That's that's what I do basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, can that involve just sitting and watching for hours on end? Yeah. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> How do you sort of keep your sort of attention? You, it's you, um, you can't really sit with a book. You've got to keep looking. No, no, no. You, you can't sit with a book. No. It's you, you. You go into a sort of. It's not a trance, but you, you you sort of go into a mode where where you know that's just all there is. You look in. So sort of quite mindful, you know, maybe. You know, quite sort of relaxed. Yeah, sort of meditational. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 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 I can see the attraction of that. But a huge amount depends on whether you know there are birds. Mm. Right. I mean, somewhere like this down the bottom, you'll, you, you, you know there are... Chuck yeah. Yes, sorry. You know there are birds Shall there, so even if you... Um, you might have to wait a couple of hours and, and still not see anything, you know there are birds there. Yeah. So if you wait long enough and you watch, you know, but... Um, when you go somewhere, like a few years ago, we had some much nearer us seen mm. birds, an odd bird, and actually a pair at one stage. Um, and I spent days and days... Coming down like a rocket now. Absolutely. One of the things he has to, while they were measuring the road was to make sure you're doing this, you don't run out of up rope. Oh, yeah, yeah, I see. Which has happened to people. He you know, runs out of rope there and you fall 20 feet. Which is not it has happened. Yeah, it's not Steve. He's Buster's very pleased to see Steve again. Well done, Steve. Rope. You've got to attach yourself back to the tree and climb down with the irons, which is not yeah. very easy. Yeah. Yes, I see. It's it's harder coming down than going yeah. up. Yeah. Uh, that was an absolutely amazing bit of climbing. I dug in a bit, that. So. Steve, you were saying some nice things about the nest that it's got a, a oh, range. Just, we, we always yeah. record what. Yeah. What it's built from, yeah. what it's lined with. 
and uh, some prey that you know whatever's in it. A brown comb is common wasp. Brown comb. A grey comb could be any one. Of... Which colour did you say? Uh, buff comb. Yeah. You said buff. Yes. Yeah. So that yeah. Yeah. When that's coming down, I will visit us. Don't say you've left one in there. No. There's a feather each few. Oh wow. And there's a peg. <laughs> that's got nothing to do with it. <laughs> Don't know what that's doing in there. Right. That's that's what's that? What's that? A bit of comb. Yeah. I want to know is what that, that is. Is that alder? It's not some sort of alder. No, it's not. I think it is because it's a funny yeah. colouring. Yeah, it's not. It's not beech. It's, it's alder. No. Yeah. Is it alder or is it some sort of willow, goat willow? Or... No, maybe. You are yeah, one, yeah. one each. Bless you. There's a feather each there. If anybody likes mementos. <laughs> Um, well, I'd love a feather. There you go, you have the feathers. Can you see how distinctive they are? Amazing. Yeah. The feathers are well, be... They're very. The demarcation between the brown and the white is quite mm. abrupt, which you don't see on a common buzzard. Yeah. Mm. Well, she's she's molted a couple of tail feathers, so I was having a look for them. But, um, <laughs> yeah, is that what you were doing down there? Yeah, Just yeah. Any yeah. Coleman, didn't you? No, I can't see any. Yeah. And were they. Um, Fed and I can't, you know, were they the size that you'd expect them? That they're, they're doing behind, well. They're, they're behind what they were this time last year. We were doing everything the same time as last year, right? And they're a week, later. a week later. These are, which is a bit odd when you think of the summer we've had. Yeah. Are you all going to survey another area today? Is that right? That's right. Yeah. So, and that's that's what you're talking about. The, so, yes. And you haven't looked at that area this year? Or? Not not directly. No. Okay. We're, we've been to an adjacent area. Mm. Once they start, if they were feeding chicks, uh, you don't really see them very much. They don't, you know, they don't mess about. The, the bird will come out, fly away, and come back. It's very often you'll see them going out, and then you think, well, I can see where it came from, more or less. I'll watch carefully, and uh, then I'll see because coming back, of course, is what you need because then you can see where it goes. I see. You see them coming out, all you see is him flying about and you guessed actually that it's just come out um, I gotcha. so you try and watch them just find see a bird coming back but then the next thing you know two hours later there it is flying out again <laughs> or even an hour later so hunting honey buzzards is quite a it's a lot of time and concentration needed for well certainly yes Yes. And you've got large areas to cover. Yes. So potentially there could be another pair somewhere in this huge... Oh, yes. Yeah. It'd be nice to think there's a sort of hidden popular... Well, not hidden, I'm sure you'll, you'll hunt them out, but uh, nice to think there's more than that one pair in this. The other thing we don't really understand is why they don't spread. Because every year... Well, virtually every year they breed here, and as often as not, they two chicks. Um, so why haven't they spread into the adjacent areas? Yeah, and created a more stable population. Yes, we do. We are right on the edge, well, they on the edge. So they breed up in Scotland as well, or have done. They, it seems they don't like crossing the channel very much. Really? Okay. Well, that's a guess. You know. Yeah, that, well, that's yeah. obviously a barrier then to them. If you go across to France and they're all over the place. Yeah. Britain is. 
It's a relatively common bird and yes. it's coming to a little stream. But I suppose being such a specialist, their food is quite specialised, that they, they have to migrate in order to yes. find a sort of year-round supply of insect larvae. Yes. Yes. yes, if you're a peregrine, you catch pigeons. They're here all the time. Yeah. You're a pestle, you love voles, which are more difficult to find, but they just move down into the... Um, you know, tend to be down to the lower areas around the coast. Yeah, I sort of, so it puzzles me about ospreys, why they... There's a ready supply of food year-round. Yeah, that's true. How do they find a wasp nest? They sit on forest paths and raids, you know, and just watch workers. Do they? Just sit and follow. Them. And then if when a worker flies by, they'll... We will sail off after it and follow it until they can track it back to the nest. It's incredible, so they, they can keep, they've got such sharp eyesight, they can keep track of a yeah. little tiny insect. And they, they're unusual birds in that they both share incubation. Yeah. So, lots of birds of prey, the male brings food for the female and provisions her. Honey buzzers don't, they get their own food. And the male will incubate for six, seven hours. And during that period, I believe what the off-nest bird is doing is locating wasp nests. Right. Not raiding them, because not eating them then, they're eating mainly frogs then. Uh, but they're oh, locating wasp so nests, which are still quite small at mm. that stage, in, in June. Yeah. And then by the time they need them, when they've got chicks in July and August wasp nests have expanded you know exponentially but they, but they know where to go that's clever so they can remember like a like a jay with acorns that's, so that's what I think yeah. I mean you've got to remember it's all supposition but yeah well it's still down there there's so much that isn't known yeah. about the behaviour of buzzards and buzzards when we put cameras on this and it's bad weather the adults are going off and coming back with wasp nests too quickly to have to have just gone and located one. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And gone off and got it. Yeah, yeah, okay. It's so like as if they must have known where it was. It makes sense. So just watching two pair of honey buzzards displaying, displaying over the woodlands. And um, they came out very level. They've just been flying around each other. They're not the nesting pair. They've just been soaring around our heads a few hundred metres up, but it's been fantastic to play. And slightly more rounded wings, slightly narrower tails. One of the things to watch for is that you can hardly see the bodies. Particularly inside the body, they're almost invisible. Yeah, well, that's yeah. for a common buzzard, you, you know, you get these great. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's great. The sun came out. And we saw soaring buzzards. Soaring honey buzzards. Bye bye.
across the tree fence. Spectacular finish. Another dip behind the ridge. That's the crowning moment of the day. Ringing, buzzer chicks, seeing a female above the woods, and now two pair of honey buzzards soaring over the, the woodlands. Uh, showing about the car traffic, car noise. It's little swallows and Fantastic. Nice. That was brilliant. Thank you very much for letting them out of the cage. So. Yeah, I'm going to head back, but thank you so much. That's okay. Yeah, no, really appreciate it. The sheer beauty of that pair of birds gracefully dancing over the forested valley was a magical ending to a day I'll never forget. I'd like to say a heartfelt thank you to Steve, Anna and Colin for sharing their stories and expertise and allowing me to get under their feet. We are lucky in Britain to have so many dedicated people like them working hard to protect our wildlife. I so hope the honey buzzards do well and start building up their numbers in South Wales. They are spectacular birds and our lives are made all the more fulfilling by their presence. Plus, they eat wasps. So if you've enjoyed this episode please leave us some feedback and ratings on whatever podcast provider you use. You can also contact me, Fergus Collins, on my magazine email address, which is editor at countryfile.com. I love getting your emails about the podcast, and I will certainly reply. Plus, there's a chance we will print your email in the magazine. Join us next week for a memorably delightful day's birding in Somerset's Chew Valley with bird girl Maya Rose Craig. But for now... You've been listening to the BBC Country Farm Magazine podcast, produced in Bristol by Jack Bateman. Thanks for listening, and goodbye.